The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Giving It Up For Less, a podcast about oversharing. How's your day going? Hope it's better now. As always, I am your host, Lauren Ash. And you guys, I am so excited about today's guest. I cannot even tell you. Anybody who listens to this podcast knows I am a huge Supernatural fan. I've talked about it in, I think, almost every episode, how much I love the show. And today, we are joined by none other than the lady who you know as Rowena from Supernatural, Ruth Connell. It's so nice to have you. It's so nice to be here. And I have to say, I'm not... I'm not known for my oversharing, so we'll see what you get out of me. I love it. Well, listen, you know what? That's what's fun about this show, though, because it's like people go at their own speed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Some people come on here. I've had people come on and like, I've been shocked about like, are you sure you want to say this? But then other people are like, wow, I don't normally talk about things yeah, yeah. like this. So this is so fun. Yeah. We met recently at an event and I was so excited to meet you. It was very near Just to where we down record the here. Hill. Yeah. Um, and so I was so excited that you were willing to come on the show. Yeah, it was a really fancy night. It was, it was fancy. Fun. I like those nights. I do too. It's nice because I feel like, obviously, I think on your show too, there's a lot of, I'm sure for you, you know, blood and and those kinds of things where you don't necessarily feel super glamorous. So it's nice to go out and be all Hollywood. Yeah, it was. And I mean, it was an Oscar party, so it's the high level. And I was kind of a bit like, should I really be here? And I then, felt the yeah. same way. I felt and the same the, way. The girl who was running the carpet was like, I know you from Supernatural. I thought, you know, it gets you around. It gets you everywhere. Absolutely. You know, I went to another one last week and... The, the people running the carpet didn't know me and uh, the photographers were like, she's from Superstore. It's Lauren Ash. Let her come. And I was like, oh gosh, well, thank goodness. I have to say, I watched some of Superstore. Oh, um, did you? I met you and you are fantastic. Oh, you that's so good. You thank you so much. That's so sweet of you. That's so nice that you watched the show. Yeah. Oh my God. Listen, we're friends already, guys. She doesn't know it yet, but I'm going to force it. I'm going to force our friendship. Um, you just informed me before we started that you have a very exciting live reading coming up of Macbeth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's so nice that they asked me. There's a, an organization called Scott Week, and uh-huh. it's a week about Scottish things in Los Angeles. And so in April, I think April 11th, I'm doing a rehearsed reading with Harry Hamlin and Julie Ormond and Graham McTavish from Outlander. So I'm in very fancy company again. That's so cool. Yeah. What yeah. role are you playing? I'm playing Lady Macduff. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, and I studied a bit of Lady M at college, and I paid no attention to anybody else in the play. So I have to go back and... <laughs> And research it all again. And it's quite yeah. fun doing that. I was watching Ian McKellen do his Macbeth last night um, when I was doing my research, and it's super fun. That's yeah. so cool. You yeah. know, I think it's so interesting because you've been on a show that's been on for a very long time. I, we're in season five of our show, which isn't nearly as long, but I think that it becomes all consuming because the schedule is so grueling mm-hmm. that you, you, it's fun to get an opportunity to do something quite different. Absolutely. And just as a little segue, I actually. Um, improvised Harry Hamlin's name during filming Supernatural quite recently and I feel like I maybe I don't know I tracked it if you that happened that before stuff. you got the, the yes that's I crazy his name. we were doing the episode about the Gorgons yes and uh, Dean Jensen kind of says something about yeah Medusa all the snakes and and everyone's like, oh my God, you know Greek mythology? And he's like, Clash of the Titans. And I improvised, <laughs> Harry Hamlin. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm going to be working with him. That's so, so funny. Yeah, you yeah. used the secret without even knowing. I did, I you did. conjured it's the it. best way to use it. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Listen, a powerful witch. Powerful <laughs> witch on the show. Um, that's hysterical. Do you guys improvise on the show a lot? Mm-hmm. 
I usually have like one or two or maybe three tops an episode that I've kind of, you know, I've got up my sleeve that if the atmosphere is conducive to it and we're not under tremendous pressure for time, right, I, of course. I might kind of offer up. I love that because... editing. Yeah, <laughs> believe me, I hear you. Because I feel like your character on that show does lend to that. And it does she feel like does. you have that energy. I feel like when I watch things, sometimes I can feel like I'm like, I think that that was she, spontaneous. Yeah, and I, I'm not... the the most improvisational person I can even say it um but there's something about playing Rowena gives me more courage to do that yeah it was never my strength and actually I came out to Los Angeles and I I joined the groundless classes to actually be, try to become better at that and be more confident and, right but playing Rowena kind of allows me it gives me license to do more of that which is really fun you know what's interesting about that for if it's similar for me too because I went to theater school and we were doing all the like you know deep acting stuff and I ended up dropping out after like four months okay. but because I couldn't I couldn't it just didn't work for me I couldn't tap in in the way they wanted me to but I took an improv class mm -hmm. and I found that when I was like in the moment in a character all of the emotions opened up for me so I feel like a similar way where it's like if it's the character and you feel really kind of connected I think it can actually open you up as an actor yeah and also I have to say sometimes it's the atmosphere on set you know our crew have been with us for so long and you have a bit more license with a show that's been running so long totally more comfort and like they're not thrown if you do something <laughs> they're yeah. like we yeah. can handle this we've seen it all before so that they're very supportive of stuff like that yeah and I feel like the characters on that show you're all so beloved that it's like you know and I'm also so mild compared to those boys <laughs> they misbehave so much so when I offer the odd little thing up right you know, you're yeah. like I've earned this I've got it's some mild. goodwill <laughs> some goodwill has been generated yeah. oh my gosh I yeah. love it so much well when I was thinking of the theme for today's episode I was like, you know, I, I sometimes try and like tailor it to the person. Um, and I was thinking that because obviously we hear from your accent, we hear from Scott, we, perhaps you weren't, you know, born and raised in North America. So the theme for today's episode is moving madness because I have moved so many times. It's absolutely nuts. And I figure you probably have, have some moving stories as well. Oh, I sure have. And most of them are in Los Angeles. And there's actually a theme within the theme. I love this. I love this. Well, I actually, I was, I grew up in Canada. I grew up outside yeah. Toronto. I, I was at the last Supernatural convention in Toronto. Toronto, <laughs> as we say in Scotland. Yes. You say it with no T's. We say it with no T's. Yeah. I know. We're very bad. Uh, very lazy. Um, but I moved to Chicago to do the second city there on the main stage there. And then I decided to move back. And this is, this is the story for me that really takes the cake. So I had only lived in Chicago for two years, but I don't know if you've ex experienced this, but I managed to imagine. Mm. so much crap so much stuff and for some reason I was willing to get rid of some things but I don't know if you find this when you're trying to move it's like all of a sudden things have value that shouldn't mm -hmm. and things that don't have value should mm -hmm. so it's like I got rid of my all of my furniture except my couch because for some reason I was like this has to come back with me to Toronto <laughs> the biggest thing the biggest thing the most cumbersome thing which I will also add I gave to a friend I got back to Toronto and we literally dropped it off at a friend's house and I was like she's not even really in my life that much anymore. And I'm like, good Lord, I literally moved a, a couch across country lines for this person who needed a couch. Anyway, it was a crappy couch. Um, but the whole thing was, is that I was dating this guy at the time and we had talked about it and he's like, listen, I'll drive with you, like rent a moving truck. We'll pack up your stuff. I had two cats at the time. So we were having two cats and carriers, all of this stuff. And it's about a 12 hour drive from Chicago to Toronto. If you're going like nonstop type thing. And he's like, we'll do it together. And I was like, all right, you know what? Cool. This, this also makes me have to sort less. I can bring as much as I want. Now, the thing that you should know is, is that in order to cross into America or, or out of America into Canada, you have to make a, a very detailed list of every item you're bringing and, a, and a put, assign a dollar wow. value. So I had this like dossier 
day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I spent days going through like cutlery, whatever, fifteen dollars, yeah. mugs, like this. Never whole mind thing. the travel documents alone that you need just and to go back and forth. Totally, right? and with two animals. I mean, again, like I had a very, very thick folder ready to go. So I was all prepared. We get to the truck rental place. I go to put his name down as the secondary driver, and he's like, "Listen, I I don't technically have a license." And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And he was like, "Well, I do, but it's like kind of expired. And truthfully, I don't really feel comfortable driving a moving truck anyway." And I was like, "This is this information could have been of use oh, to me in the past word. eight weeks that we've been planning yeah. this thing." So now I'm like, well, I don't, I'm in it now. I have to get out of my, I have no choice. So we load up this truck with all the things. We've got the animals piled between us and these carriers. I've got my thick files and, and I made that drive myself and he did not drive one second of that trip. <laughs> was it still a bonding experience? It was not. It was not. This was, well. it did not work out so well. It was actually that trip that I, I'll get to that in a second. The, the, the relationship <laughs> fell apart for sure. But what was funny is we got to the border and I'm ready to go and I've got the dossier and he, the guy was like, you're Canadian. I was like, yep. And he turns to my boyfriend at the time. He goes, you're, you're American. Yep. Go ahead. Didn't look in the back of that truck. Did not look at any of my documents. Did not look at the animal documents. Nothing. And it was one of those things where I wanted to be like, (laughs) could you take a look at this? Could you grade my work, please? No, but we trust Canadians so much. I know. You know you're just good guys. We so are. And listen, there could have been a it could have been a, a, a back of that truck full of foreigners that I was smuggling into the country who no one would have known, but they, they didn't check. Um, but I remember then we got to a hotel. And at this point, I'm also getting the like, because if you drive, I feel like if you're in the passenger seat, you can shift a little more. But driving for 12 hours, it's not comfortable. I don't do it. I, I would never do that. Don't. No, I don't. <laughs> we checked into a hotel and then it was like trying to get like makeshift litter boxes for the cats I mean it was a disaster and then I think it was that trip that I somehow managed to find out that he had been soliciting people on Craigslist for anonymous sex hookups and I was like this is a real cherry on the shit pie you know what I mean so what was worse (laughs) well that's a good question I mean it's really how you grade it it was all pretty bad bad. it's pretty bad but yeah so that I think was probably my most stressful of the moves mm. um and then i moved to toronto sorry i moved from toronto to los angeles then i moved back to toronto then i moved mm. back to los angeles it pulls you in it pushes you away i'm sure you have this a similar absolutely and it's not quite a moving segue but i i did actually used to drive trucks sometimes really in one of my many other jobs that you have as an actor totally in, in britain i found myself driving a refrigerated lorry we say a lorry Didn't yeah the same thing from London to Glasgow and I put the wrong address in when I did it was before GPS and you right. had to pre-print all the maps and then um, my dad is a lorry driver it's one of his jobs and I actually found myself at 11 o'clock at night passing my dad on the motorway both of us in trucks <laughs> and I was like where is my acting career going so off track <laughs> I'm doing the same job as my dad and we pa- accidentally pass each other that's road so and waved funny at each other. yeah it was one of those oh my gosh small but, world but yeah moving in Los Angeles my story is that I get to a building, like you spend a long time looking for the right apartment yes. or whatnot, and then I get to the building and I always have to move inside the building. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I am one of my first apartments with my friend Georgia Dolan, who so you should probably have on this at some point. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Was on Hayworth Avenue, just uh, along that way. Yeah. 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 So we saw the apartment. It was really cute. And we jumped through hoops because I didn't, you know, I hadn't been here very long. I had to prove that I would pay my rent and went to right. get her mum. Um, Tina did the, was a guarantor. And we, you know, we jumped through so many hoops to get this place. And um, we move in. And I had just done a 10-day silent meditation called a Vipassana. And I'd never done one before. And I'd just been in Northern California. It's one of the things you do when you move to a new... Of course. Crazy stuff. <laughs> 
<laughs> and so um, I was very sensitized to sound. So my first night in the new apartment, I was in my bed, uh, bedroom. I didn't have a bed yet, I don't think, but I was in the bedroom. And I'm lying there and it's 5 a.m. And I just hear... <laughs> something, something, something. <laughs> And uh, my bedroom was above the garage door. Mechanism. Oh, no. <laughs> and I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. No. Um, so we got in touch straight with the landlord, Zion, who's a lovely man. And uh, I, I said, you know, I, I don't know if I can actually handle this. Do you have anything else in the building? And he said, he said, no, you know, and we were looking at back, you know, we were cl- clutching at straws. Yeah. And so. In true witchy style, I, I got in touch with a psychic that I know. <laughs> true, true story. And she said, she's a lovely lady called Rosemary in, in, in England. And um, she she's a Quaker. And, you know, and she she's saying to me, oh, oh, I think something's just like you have to put your stuff in a wheelbarrow. Just be you have to put your stuff in a wheelbarrow. And like that was all she kept saying. Right. And I'm like, okay, oh, wheelbarrows in Los Angeles don't even know what that is, right? <laughs> so anyway, I swear to goodness, the next day I got a phone call from Zion. He obviously felt really sorry for us. Um, and he said that the man across the hallway who had been there for over nine years handed him in his notice that day. So Georgia and I carried all of our stuff across the hallway. Oh my we gosh! We didn't get a wheelbarrow, but we, it was literally that totally, like, sh- sh- you know, shipping stuff ac- um, across the hallway. And we moved in very happily to the place across the hallway and lived happily ever after for another year until I moved again. And then when I moved again, I got into my apartment. It was my apartment on my own, um, just on Harper. Just oh yeah, there. yeah, yeah, just down the road. Yeah, again. and. Um, Again, I'm in my apartment and there's a girl, supposed to be one girl above me and I hear a girl and another girl's voice and then a cat and another cat and a dog and a dog. I hear all these, like there's six living beings above my head where there's supposed to be one. And there's all those crash, bang, thuds, wallops. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like I've moved into an apartment. Here we go again. I can't handle this. And so the landlord's mum, who's passed away now, sadly, she, um, she offered me her apartment. She, she, she said, I've got bad hearing and I'm a really heavy sleeper. I'll swap you. And so I moved into the only apartment in the building that had a soundproof wall because the previous <laughs> lady had PTSD. And just to cut a long story short, what we found out in the end was the, gir- the girls above eventually got evicted. And some of the noise that I was hearing, there was like enough, again, it's like this rolling sound. And I thought, what is this deja vu? What is this? And they were, uh, they had, what's it called, a ro- when you um, roller skate, what is it, um, skateboard. They had a skateboard and were skateboarding across the, the apartment oh at two o'clock in the morning. God. <laughs> were they on drugs? I, I mean, I hope they, so. I, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. At least they might have been enjoying themselves because I certainly wasn't. So yeah, each time I move, I have to move inside. That's crazy. Building. And how lovely of that woman to say, I'll swap apartments. Like, that's a huge gift. Yeah, she, she, she always took an, an interest in me. She was um, from uh, the Bronx, I'm going to say. And she was like, oh, you're such a doll. You're such a doll, she used to say. <laughs> and um, I always, like, would, you know, pop in on her and stuff. You know, I was her, a good neighbor to her. I yeah. Until she passed away a few years later. Oh, that's so nice. That's so sweet. I, I, yeah, th- I think like life is a matrix like that. I think totally to you. And I probably wouldn't have got that apartment if she hadn't liked me in the first place. Anyway, again with being a newcomer here and not having a long credit history and everything else, you know, people it's, take you in good faith sometimes. It is, and I went through the same thing again. Coming even coming from from Canada, yeah, it's it's really. I don't think you realize how hard it can be 
to get an apartment, to get a car, to get a bank. I couldn't get a credit card when I first moved I to America because they were like, you have no credit in this country. I was like, but I have perfect credit back home, I literally know, like 10 feet away. Um, are you quite interested in your credit now? Do you keep an eye on that? Constantly. Yeah, yeah. I've got great credit. Me too. And you know, it's, <laughs> mine, mine has fluctuated a little bit and I don't know why, but I'm into like, I'm finally like just eight, getting to I'm like... like I know like right I can see there. 800 it's so close <laughs> I know I don't know why I've become so invested in that but I think it's because <laughs> when you don't have it when you don't have it exactly yeah, yeah. I know and then it was like I remember somebody telling me like get three credit cards and pay them off every month mm-hmm. use each one a little bit and pay it off and it did work get a store card but I had to get a letter from a manager to like to say I was earning a certain amount which I clearly wasn't yes. please don't take my credit cards away from me now yeah. <laughs> um, but you have to jump through all these hoops again to get the piece of paper that enables you to get the thing so that you can do the thing you need to do to get your life moving forward it's totally because it's, it's you also need a credit card for a lot of things mm. I think that people don't think about it's crazy mm-hmm. um that's so funny that's wild so you're moving into a place and then you're moving within the place this yeah. is like the constant theme and now I have I have my own place and I, I didn't have to move. It was wonderful to break that cycle of... That's so... That's so <laughs> how long have you been there? Two years. <gasps> okay, and so yeah, it feels safe at this point. And there were no shocks. It was it's really quiet. Occasionally in the background I hear... Which is like in a train, which is a, a sound I used to hear in London. It's not a sound you really hear. In LA? In no. LA, yeah, but I'm over in the east side and it's so nice. That's nice. I get woken up sometimes. Um, I have the ring alarm and the light flashes up sometimes outside and... There's like a coyote or a skunk or an opossum or a spider in front of the camera, but it's all wildlife and I can handle that rather than roller, you know, roller skating. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The first time I came out to LA from Canada, I was very young. I think I was like 22 maybe-ish. that is so young. So young. And I was so brave until I got here. And then I realized like, and I was just coming for a visit and I like, like to meet with managers and that kind of thing. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is, and I was staying at the Highland Gardens, which I only knew because there was a documentary called Camp Hollywood and it was about how all Canadians go down for pilot season and they stay at at the Highland Gardens. And so I thought, well, this is reputable and I'll see Canadians and stuff like that there. Well, I'll say that it had gone a little downhill since that documentary was made and it was a little bit terrifying and the people above me, same thing. It sounded like a roller chair was going constantly and I checked out after like two days. I was like, I was so terrified. I was like sleeping on the couch in the living room, like too scared to go into the back room because there also wasn't a real good lock on the window and Hollywood I don't know what your perception was but for me Hollywood was like glitz and glamour and then you get here and it's like it's it's dirty like Mm. Hollywood is like a little bit dangerous it's not pretty women you know (laughs) (laughs) you're right come to drive whatever but my dad was worried when I came out here he was like he was reading a book a crime novel at the time he's like Los Angeles is a dangerous place and I was like Dad, Glasgow's the second highest knife crime in the world. <laughs> knife I crimes. Through, I go through there all the time. Like, I'll, I'll keep to the nice areas. It'll be fine. Yes. And I, you know, I remember quite early on getting a lift off someone. I was looking at an apartment, um, again on Hayworth, another friend, which is a kind of like a Starlet's Row, I think. All these kind of streets oh, yeah. here. You know, like you're saying, there's certain areas that people gravitate towards. Totally. And I just took a lift from this guy I'd never met. I was in his car. He drove me back to the valley. And I'm just like some things that are maybe you know maybe not the safest mm-hmm. like going into an apartment of somebody you don't know on your own and yeah mm. I've done those things too and it, it's after the fact that I always go like what mm. why did that happen <laughs> that was silly yeah. that was like I was going on a date once and and he was like let me drive you from one location to another and I got in the car and then I was like what am I doing yeah. I've seen this movie it doesn't end well <laughs> no, the female know. protagonist 
doesn't end well for her. Um, but I think there's something about, yeah, I don't know. Like you're in a new place and you want to believe in the goodness in, in people and strangers, but yeah, and you I, know, Los Angeles has been kind to me in a lot of ways. When I first thought about moving to America, I, um, I paid to do a workshop in New York and I stayed there for a couple of weeks and I came out to Los Angeles and in my week out here, I met a friend, Nadia, who produced a movie I was in last year, um, for the love of George, about a women's obsession with George Clooney, which is based on complete reality oh my god i love it (laughs) and uh so anyway um i met her uh this margie haber class yeah and then and my where i was staying i couldn't stay the full time it turned out and hal sparks offered me a room in his house um and i ended up staying at his house uh, down in santa monica and actually was showing a lot of kindness right and i think there's a lot of that people talk about the fake and fakeness of LA and I think there's a lot of creative people here with really good in, in intentions and aspirations um, and I've been pretty fortunate you know I always say that LA attracts extremes mm-hmm. so it attracts like the uber talented kind you know creative types and it, it attracts the uber delusional toxic you know but I think that there's there's both ends I agree with you that I don't think yeah. that it is all bad and I don't think that everybody here is all bad but I think it is a real it's one of those places that attracts like real kind of extremes yeah and where I've run into trouble slightly has been with when I've been paying for things paying for services and people really going by the dollar and just the way in Scotland if you don't do a good job for someone chances are somebody knows their your cousin that knows their cousin right right right, you right, know, right. like a little yes. bit of recourse sure and like somebody might here might do a bad job especially i'd say with financial stuff with advising and things and just being a bit like disappointed in some of that where there doesn't seem to be the same care where, where i think they think that maybe actors have more money than they do or like there's, yep. there's a lot of that goes on and I, you know I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit scottish about that i'm yes I'm like, like protective of myself when it comes to things like that well i think you have to be for sure in this place and i agree with you there's been times with things with me too where i'm like i don't know how much money you think i have but you're not gonna get any like i don't there you can't bleed a stone you know what i mean and yeah and i remember my my business manager saying to me like about the kind of insurance you should have as an actor, which I was like, I don't know about yeah, this. It's but it's like, thing. right, public liability. And then if, you know, if you get into a car accident, for example, and then the other person goes, she's on TV. Yeah, I just canceled mine. I did you? I really need to, so maybe I should take it out again. You know, I was skeptical too, but I, ah, I'm just, I'm also like very nervous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very neurotic. And so yeah, I, if you saw my driving. As well. I, <laughs> I've just basically been like, get it all, <laughs> buy it all. Like, we'll hope that maybe by doing that, I've like bought yeah. my goodwill or something yeah, i think so but i had no concept of that mm. i never even thought that it was like oh right there's a possibility people might want to take advantage of you yeah be- if they recognize you from tv yeah which is weird <laughs> yeah, no like yeah again the days of tv people are always like oh you're almost in syndication and i'm like it doesn't really work that way anymore it, are the you st- though is that going to well but the that? streaming world has kind of mm. like i think it depends on the show that you're on mm. and for us we kind of began as streaming became a huge thing so it's mm. just kind of like the the rules haven't caught up to the technology yet yeah. so we're on hulu and stuff like that we're one of the like top viewed shows on hulu which is amazing but i don't believe that we you get, get anything for that which is i know seems crazy but i mean it's, it's one of the blessings of landing on a network tv show like supernatural that i didn't even understand right where sag really got those contracts right a long time ago yes and we, we get we benefit and you know the truth is you do need sustenance you're not working all the time right you know, things need to balance out and I, I do think that there's a big gap with where we need to catch up to with the new media contracts totally i've done um, i'm gonna toot my own horn but i'm still really impressed with the fact that i've done this um i do the voice match for um 
Princess Merida in conjunction with the movie Brave. So I've yeah. done quite a lot of recordings as Merida. And um, I happen to be in $300 million video games. I'm really, pr- I'm so proud to be in these games. Yeah. And um, the truth is that you're you're compensated for the afternoon, which is fine. And then there's, that, that's where, that's it. There's nothing. Yes. Um, that, if, whereas if that was a movie, my mortgage would be paid. Right, <laughs> um, right. So I do think SAG... Uh, I don't know how many actors you have listening, but I do think we need to keep keep on that about getting the new media stuff. Totally. Again, I just don't think it hasn't caught up, and it, it's like, how is it not caught up? Because I feel like this is this stuff has existed for quite some time now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like we're in like 2003 anymore. It's mm-hmm. like I think it's time to. Yeah. Hope it's not too late. <laughs> listen, like, I, I know. Listen, I know. It's such a bizarre thing though, because again, I do think that there's a perception. I had the same perception that it's like you know you get on a show, whatever, and then you're I like did. life is made, and it's like oh, look, look, yeah. you gotta keep working. You see somebody is like star and something you've made it yeah and I, I do sometimes get messages from people saying you know now that you've made it and i'm like wow i am so grateful and i'm so you know i'm so so appreciative of, of where i am but i gotta keep working like I, absolutely I, happen. I had a girl say to me how do you feel now that all your dreams have come true and i was like if all my dreams have come true <laughs> then is it over like i was like <laughs> I think there's I have, always more dreams there's yeah. always more dreams and there should always be more dreams exactly, because yeah. then otherwise that feels like a very yeah, sad you're done. yeah then it's retire. over yeah. retire it's yeah. done well, anyway. All right, we're going to move on to a fun segment on the show, Dumb Lies We Tell. And I found this, we have people write in and to the show, people, listeners of the show, uh, write in and share dumb lies that they have told. And I'm trying to find the one that I wanted because there was also, okay, here it is. This one I think is so funny. <laughs> and it's funny because the, they really vary. Like some people... Some people write in things about that are really bad. Some people write in things that are kind of cute. Some people write in and, and sell other people out. But I thought this one was really cute. And also, I'm an only child. I don't know if you have I some. I am too. You know what's so funny? You want to talk about witchiness. I, for some reason, I have nothing to base this on. I was like, I wonder if she's an only child too. But I picked an only child one because I'm one. And I, for some, listen again, there's something in the ether, guys. Okay, so this uh, lady writes, I'm an only child. I always wanted a sibling, but anytime I had a friend around for an extended amount of time, I would seethe with jealousy over the attention my mom would give them. I guess I don't really want a sibling. In sixth grade, my uncle remarried and gained a stepdaughter. She is literally the nicest person in the world. But when they came to stay with us, she stayed at my house while my uncle and aunt stayed with my grandparents. Well, cue the jealousy. We went shopping and she got this bracelet from Claire's. And when we got home, I was so jealous of the attention she was getting from my mom. I hid it behind this roller cabinet thing in the cabinet thing in the bathroom <laughs> to make it look like it had fallen. My cousin was so sad her new bracelet was missing. My mom eventually found it and asked me if I knew anything. And I was like, oh, I guess it fell or something. My mom gave me this disappointed look and I broke. I told her I did it because I was jealous. And my mom made me fess up to my cousin who was so gracious about my weirdness. She even hugged me because she was so happy just to have her bracelet back. Only child problems. Am I right? Oh, oh I've got such a similar story. Do you? <laughs> this was not my story, but I have to tell you now. Yeah. I was in the dinner queue when I was at primary school and the dinner ladies are dishing at your lunch. Yeah. Is that what you say? Here, you're the dinner lady. Yeah. And um, I spontaneously said, my mom's having a baby. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't. But I so wanted a sibling. Yeah. And I remember asking my mom, could I have, please have a big brother or a big sister? And she she tried to explain that that was tricky. <laughs> right, right. Um, so to I go backwards. T- I did tell a lie about that. And then people checked up and followed up. You know, how's your mom getting on? And then like, <laughs> squirrely, squirrely feelings. But my, my dad did remarry. 
later in life and I did inherit two stepbrothers ah. um, Scott and Neil who I happened to get on really well with and I've got lots of nieces and nephews now so I kind of did get my wish Scott's four days younger than me so he didn't get an older one but I got one very close very close yeah. oh my god that's so cute yeah, I did lie about something similar that's so funny you know what's funny also that this made me think of I remember when I was a kid I was I was about seven and it was Easter I don't know why this this memory sticks with me so hardcore I don't know why and we went we were living in an apartment building and one of the things that the Easter bunny had brought me was this little baby chick where if you touched these two buttons on the bottom it would cheep and I had this thing in my pocket of my jean jacket um you know it's spring in Canada and uh we went downstairs and there was kind of all these neighborhood kids kind of all hanging out and playing and stuff and my mom started talking to this one other little girl and I got wildly jealous and I don't I just remember it because I remember thinking at the time, like, what are these feelings? I don't understand mm. these feelings. But my mom was a single mom. I was an only child. It was just the two of us. And I think because we spent so much time together, this was one of the first times I remember her giving another child attention. Mm. Yeah. And I remember I, like, you know, kind of, like, very emo, like, very angsty. I, like, went and I sat down in the grass in the shade by myself, kind of away from the party. And I pulled out that little baby chick and I just made it cheap, 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 <laughs> sitting by myself. And then I remember my mom called me on it. She's like, what, are you jealous? And I was like, no, I'm just asking for some alone time. <laughs> um, but it was funny. This that this is the first time I've heard another only child because I feel like we get a bad rap sometimes yeah. too. People think that only children are selfish or that kind of thing. And my experience is actually the opposite, mm. that I find that a lot of only children that I meet, it's like really want to make friends or very generous have kind of like wanted that, whether it be a sibling or friends. It can actually make you more sensitive. This is, this is my argument about it. Yeah. Is that, um, I can be, say, in a car, in a car journey and there's a miscommunication or a bit of a bicker and I'm like really ups I get like <sighs> whereas I think if you have brothers and sisters you're used to that kind of push and pull that kind of rough and tumble with people close to you totally you, you don't think somebody's going to pull the rug out or that there's something terrible's happened whereas I tend to be like really careful I'm the same way relationships yeah me too um, I don't have that muscle the push and pull muscle so much totally um, I, yeah I, I can feel tears well like very quickly mm. if there's like the smallest bit of conflict mm. I'm the same way and it's mm. like I didn't mean for that to happen and I think you're you know I've never thought of it that way but I think you're totally right so basically we're just lovely, lovely. we're lovely people <laughs> no. you guys should all aspire <laughs> And the world does revolve around it. Us. Does. No. It does. It does. <laughs> no. Um, I, my mom and I were on our own for a little while, you know, when my mom and dad separated, and there is a really intense bond. I yeah. Think, the, the, that does happen and I'm just so glad she met somebody else um, she met she's got a lovely husband called Chris who has the same birthday as me as well ah. and I'm so happy for her because I wouldn't necessarily be able to be here I don't think so right. far 5,000 miles away right because you, it is such a close bond you feel like you can't just yeah. leave that or yeah well you're right I mean it's a, again it's a lot of time especially if you have one on one time I think that maybe perhaps it's different if there's siblings because there's obviously attention being split and time being split but I agree with you it was weird for me when I, I think that was part of what it was for me too even though I had been living away from home at 22 coming down here I had never been that far for that even mm -hmm. though it was only for a couple of weeks I think that that was part of it too was like oh this is the farthest I'm going to be away from my mother mm -hmm. and she luckily was was remarried at that point too oh, cool. so she was taken care of and, and yeah, that's yeah. nice but yeah it is like a weird kind of um, I don't even know if I could have put my finger on it at the time, but it's like that feeling, which is, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, now, the dumb lie I was going to tell doesn't connect to any of this, but I, my best friend, um, Leslie Siler, friend of the podcast, uh, when she um, was coming down here to visit me, she lives here now, this was prior to her move, we love Disneyland. And so we were going to get 
seasons passes because she would come enough times, she would visit enough times that it was going to dollar-wise just make sense. But to get the, the Southern California deal, you have to be a resident of Southern California. And because, much like my paperwork when I was moving, <laughs> I'm very attention to detail, I was like, here's what we'll do. I'll make you a fake utility bill. So I scanned like a gas bill or something of mine. This is fraud. This is pure fraud. <laughs> is and so lie. I went in and I changed the, her, my name into her name and I was very like proud of my Photoshop deal. And I was like, listen, if they ask any questions, say that, you know, you lost your driver's license, but you have this and you have your birth certificate or something. So you get, the name matches the bill and, you know, you've, you've got a face or whatever. You've got a face. I don't know what that means. Anyway. <laughs> um, anyway, so we got up to buy the thing. And of course they didn't ask for it. No. They didn't care. No. They were like, it's fine. No. You can buy the pass. You can buy the overpriced Disney pass. Yeah, I mean, you could be a spy, really, can you? You're Thank like, you so much so, for saying that. So close I know. <laughs> and, and I feel like that was a victimless crime because really it was just about trying to save like $20 or something. But yeah, it was very heartbreaking. Much like when I went across the border and they didn't want to check my papers. They didn't want to check my papers here either. I still have that bill somewhere. I was like, I got to hang on to this. It took me like four hours to do that thing. That's hilarious. <laughs> my original lie yeah. um, was a lie of omission that I was going to share. Please. Um, I don't know if you ever get yourself into these situations where you're having a discussion with someone and you don't say something at the time. Yes. You don't correct them. And so um, my uh, my boyfriend now, um, before I ever met him, I was shown a piece of his writing and I thought it was fantastic. It really, I thought it was brilliant. Right. Anyway, when I eventually um, got to know him better and, you know, we were having a chat, he mentioned this piece of writing and I sat and kind of went, and I didn't allude to the fact that I had already read it. Of course. And of course, the subject wouldn't go away. <laughs> <laughs> and just to say, I, I still have never told him. So the only way he will ever find out is if he listens. If he to listens to this episode. <laughs> oh my god, I love and that. We were just like, oh, this is so awkward. And then things would come up round about it, and I had to write something similar. Right. And I was trying to talk about it without ever referencing the fact that I'd already read his before. Right. Him, and it was just so super awkward. I love that there was a there was a fire a siren that just went <laughs> off like like. Yeah. Here we go. The truth comes out. That's so funny. I've totally been there when it's like, yeah, there's something. And then inevitably, it's the thing that will can come in back. Yeah. I know. But then it feels like you're in too deep. Oh, too, too, too far gone. Yes. And I mean, it's very sweet also. Like, you know, there's this is this is a, a victimless omission, <laughs> lie by omission, I feel like. Because, again, you were just trying to be. And I'm sure, like, uh, for me, too, I, I always also do a deep Google when I first meet somebody. And then they'll tell me something. And I'm like, oh! And then I'm like, I already knew. Yeah, squirrely feeling. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. And, uh, yeah, I know. My current boyfriend, I'm pretty sure when we first met, I had, like, deeply stalked his Instagram. And then he would tell me a story. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, I'm so that. surprised at this news. I know. I didn't know that you'd done that. Saw the photos. Did the research. Um, yeah. And I mean, listen, again. And that's what we're up against a little bit as humans in this day with social media and everything you meet someone and you're like oh I you know I was the dentist last Tuesday and they're like wow that's weird yeah how did you know I just I I read your post you know and I took it in I've carried it with me (laughs) yeah yeah it's such a yeah it's a really bizarre thing and I feel like it's bizarre I'm sure it's different for people who that's their only reality they've ever known but for Mm. those of us who existed pre that Mm -hmm. it is a weird transition that all of a sudden because what are the lines what's weird what's not because sometimes people will say things to me and I like, like, oh, I saw this thing you posted. And at first you're like, oh, that's weird. But then you're like, well, no, it's out there for public consumption. Why would I be surprised or weirded out that this yeah. person has 
read what I've posted. It does always surprise me how many people have, though, because not everyone comments or at the time, and it, it does yes. surprise me. I'll be back in Scotland, and somebody will say something. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, of course, like, of oh, course, yeah, you, you knew. Yeah. But I was saying, it kind of like defeats the purpose of high school reunions now, yeah. because it's like I feel like I know a lot of what everybody's doing. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. I, I still went to mine, but you know what I mean. It's like mm. it's like an interesting thing that I'm sure you know. Whatever, thirty years ago, people it was like, oh, it was nice to see this person you hadn't seen. Catch up. What are you doing I, now? I'm like, I know I, everything you're doing. I do wonder about the human, the human um, mind and our hearts and our souls, our uh, capacity to know so much about so many people. Mm. We're inundated with so many pieces of information, and really, we should really only be upset maybe once or twice a month <laughs> about something we find out about something about someone we know. But as it is, we're we're so connected. We we get all the the good and bad from everyone's lives, including like. Um, the death of the weekend, the suicide of, of the TV presenter in Britain, Caroline, that yeah. hit me in the gut, you know? Yeah. And yeah. So it's, it's just trying to manage the, the ingestion of all the I do the sometimes get fatigue. Yeah. I especially get like political fatigue mm-hmm. where it's like, I feel like it's not just watching the news because now it's, it is everywhere. It is like so many people that you know are posting about it. So many people you don't know that you may follow are posting about it. Um, that it does kind of feel overwhelming. I agree mm-hmm. with you that it's like there's stuff that's in the consciousness that that it's not like you're getting the piece of information once. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're getting it once and then you're probably seeing it 50 other times yeah. from people you know or things you follow or p- things that get retweeted or whatever, yeah. which I think you're right. That's it's, a, it's an interesting time because I don't think that that happened that way before. Yeah, and then I have to check myself. Like, when's the last time I phoned my dad or phoned right. my best friend or whatnot? You know, you're, you're doing all these little bits of communication and... and yeah and to pick up the call to pick up the phone and make a call (laughs) it's it's like that scene in um train wreck i think when amy schumer is like he's calling me it must be a pocket dial like it's like that same thing i've had that too where i'm like hello my agent said last week can i i'm gonna try and call you and i was like (gasps) (laughs) do you have to is he dropping me yeah yeah exactly this seems serious can't you send an email (laughs) yeah i i know i hear you and that's so interesting too i mean i used to live on the phone when i was a teenager yeah you lived on the phone phone. that was my i don't know about you uh, your mom being on her own paying the bills and like you're on the phone to your girlfriend yeah you're a teenager and that was my life was hours and hours of the phone i don't know what we talked about uh, I wish I could remember, um, but now that just that doesn't seem to be it doesn't seem to be the case. It's, I know it's, it's messaging. And it's messaging. Maybe FaceTime. I like FaceTime. I like FaceTime too. too. And you know what? I like texting. I think also having had a busy schedule, like a work schedule that doesn't mm-hmm. permit. I like texting because it keeps me connected. I feel like to people where I don't have time. You know, so it's like a little texting every day feels like it equals like one big phone call. Sure, <laughs> sure. That makes sense. Do, do you leave your phone on set? I, I I love leaving my phone in the trailer and just giving myself the luxury of just being on set and just being with people that I'm with. It's a treat. <laughs> I you know what we started implementing a uh, phoneless Thursday. I think it was. Oh, wow. It lasted two weeks. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the boys would never manage that. I know. It's hard. Well, it's hard also, I think, for... There's people on on my show who have young children and stuff like that. And so I think that for them, they're also like, I want to be connected in case the nanny calls or my partner calls or whatever. That's the excuse they use. I know. See, do you see... Like, we've broken down... Like, you used to leave your kids for eight hours at a time or four hours. And now it's, like, constant... Yeah, communication. I got a message I that my it, dog is is barking at the house. <laughs> I have this furbo thing oh, that films, no. and if it barks, then it sends you. And then I'm like, "What's going on?" Um, which feels ridiculous. The dog's fine. <laughs> oh, the dog's yeah. fine. Oh, but you can shoot treats at it. You can <laughs> really? push a button, and it shoots out treats from your phone. From, yeah, from your phone. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that thing. That's great. But it is also nice because if there's, a, like, I get an alert that the dog is barking before I get, like, a ring alert or something okay, like that. Like, like, yeah, the dog's like, barking at. 
<laughs> yes. Yeah. If there ever anything was to happen, I'm like, I'll know because Furbo is going to be going crazy. All right. We're going to move on to the final uh, segment on the show. It's called Never Let Go. And it's about grudges. Now, are you a grudge holder? I like to think I'm not, but yeah. of course, of course yeah. I am. It's deep. It's right? deep. <laughs> I feel like it's, I think there's two kinds of people. There's people who it doesn't and there's people who do. And, and I'm somebody who, again, I, I hold grudges about things from 20 years ago. Mm, I remember everything. That's yeah. my boyfriend's main complaint about me. I remember <laughs> everything. And I don't even necessarily feel that I'm holding a grudge, but I will retain the information. Totally. <laughs> to I'm the with. same way. Well, I was trying to think, I, and listen, I mean, my grudges that I share on this show vary from, from deep, things to things that are more like annoyances as of recent but I do I have developed a grudge against my nail salon and I'll tell you why here's the deal I've been going to the same place for about five years I like I like what they do I don't have a specific girl all the girls are great I love it I'm like give me anybody it's great here's what the grudge is they call you at the minute of your appointment if you're Mm -hmm. not there yet Mm -hmm. like if my appointment's at 10 I'm getting a phone call by 10.01 and I'm parking at that time Mm -hmm. and I I like to approach everything with kindness I think I never regret kindness that's my personal mantra is you never regret choosing kindness I think Mm -hmm. that's true but it is killing me because now this has happened like and i'm also very prompt get me yeah yeah exactly i'm so out of here like i literally like they called me yesterday I, yeah yesterday they called me and my appointment was at 10 it was 1002 but i was like can i have a five minute window can we have a five minute buffer because i literally went i literally went hello hi lauren we're wondering if you're still i'm parking my car <laughs> oh, okay and then i hung up that's not me and i don't like it and i'm like i have developed a grudge towards this nail salon and again, I love them. They're all so or, sweet, but I'm just like, give us, it's LA. You're just showing them your hard boundary. I, maybe that's You know what? That's a nice way to grudge. refocus it. That's yeah. a nice way to, re, to reimagine it. You're right. You're right. Because again, to me, again, in LA, I feel like everybody's 15 minutes late. I pride myself by not being 15 I, minutes late. I'm very British about it. Like I texted you today and I was like, should I get there at 1220? Because that's why that's... You know, and my friend Georgia Dolenz and I, when we meet, we always laugh because we're always like a minute early. <laughs> and in LA, everyone's 10 minutes so late. late. Right? That's yes. just the way it goes. And it's just the way it goes. I can't, get rid of, I can't shake that, that British thing. I know. I, I feel the it. same way. But again, and listen, I have I don't have a reputation with them for being late. No, and no you don't deserve the, I don't deserve, don't deserve this because this. the one time I was late, guess what happened? I called them. Uh, I, I beat them to it and I said, listen, I'm going to be five minutes late. And But do they ever keep you waiting five minutes? All the time. See, but yeah. See, yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I, I think you're entitled to your grudge. I feel so seen. <laughs> Thank you. I feel better. Now that I've gotten off my chest, I do feel a lightness. Because I've been holding this. This one, I don't know why. It really, I was just like, can I, it's Sunday morning. I was like, can I have two minutes? I'm parking. Oh, dear. Yeah. My, my grudge is a, my, it's a bit serious. That's okay. I told some real serious ones serious. too. And it's not even really a grudge. It's, I suppose it's more just like a regret or, mm. or like I don't quite know what it is because I actually really like this person um, and I have no hard feelings to them sure. whatsoever. Uh, but when I was like 21 years old, I think, just around about that age, there was a boy I liked and we kissed and um, because twice, like maybe two oh. separate weeks. And it never come to anything. We did date 10 years later for like a couple of weeks. Oh, and that's so funny. Kind of revisited. And anyway, he's a, a friend of, a really good friend of mine's cousin. And I really like, I, I love bumping into him now. And I'm so happy he's got a family and everything else. Yeah. I I had just gotten a little job. My friend had got me a job, a money job. And an, uh, and I, I had to phone in sick. And I know I don't really ever phone in sick. Yeah. And I felt so ill and I'd gone and I'd given blood 
I've been good, you know, my friend. I also had um, given um, my sample for to be a bone marrow donor. Oh I was my like, gosh. And I felt so ill. Yeah. I felt so incredibly ill. And anyway, the doctor phoned me and it turned out I had what you, what I think you call mono. Oh my gosh. Which is glandular fever. Right. And the last thing you should do if you have glandular fever is give blood. Because <laughs> you're already anemic, your spleen is swollen. And, yeah. and the doctor was like, please go home and lie down immediately. And my friend kind of forgave me. She had been annoyed that phoned and sick from this job. Right. And I'd actually even just, had gone along and sat there with like my eyelids swollen. Oh. <laughs> and so I mentioned it to my, my good friend, um, my, my dancer friend. I said, you know, I've just been so ill. It turns out I've had this thing, glandular fever, and it never really leaves you. And to this day, if I get run down, my glands come up and I, it's a, it's a thing. Yeah. Right? And she went, oh, I, I think Kevin had that. <gasps> no and he'd had it and he he felt a bit better and he thought it's fine and I suppose the reason the, the moral of the story the reason I'm telling you is like guys like <laughs> check your mono check your mono <laughs> leave it at the gate that's don't go out and kiss horrible. a girl no make sure you're really on the other side yeah. of it yeah and I think also if you there's just been the one time you may have dodged it but the two times a week apart you're screwed <laughs> it's, it's you're fully yeah. getting infected yeah forever forever it's life bar thing. It's, yeah, yes it's it is yeah. oh my god that's brutal and now every time you get sick and your glands <laughs> swell you're like thanks a lot buddy thanks, Kevin. I, th- I think of you fine I actually genuinely do like I really he's such a sweet and he had no idea he was like so young and we were just who knew, who knew right yeah but yeah oh my gosh you got back out there too quick buddy <laughs> you gotta get you gotta lay back down but listen mono's no joke Mm-mm. it's no joke and as you said like it does stick with you and i There's i've that. actually knock wood i've never had it mm. but i know people like you can get sick with it for like months yeah and i feel like it affects your immune system forever I like so it's get too heavy but yeah no. No, it's a thing it's a thing and you know and it's and listen when i think back to like I don't know, the random dudes I kissed when I was 21. And you know what I mean? It's like, who knows? Well, one other guy I dated, I don't know what this says about people I used to date, but one other guy, <laughs> he, he, he was Irish and he'd been in Edinburgh. You know, Edinburgh's a big, a big um, hit for New Year. We call it Hogmanay for New Year's Eve. And there's like 10,000 people on, right. uh, or 100,000 people maybe on Princess Street. And, and the thing is when people are young, they just all kiss each other and it's a whole thing. And he, he got some kind of some kind of virus that made his brain swell up and they had to fly him home in a plane. Oh my God. <laughs> like a medical oh plane. God. So yeah, careful who you kiss. Be careful who you kiss, kids. That was before I ever knew him, so that, that didn't affect me. Oh, sure, sure, sure. But yeah, but weird, right? Weird and kissing disease. Kissing disease. And I don't think you want to mess around with your brain swelling. No. I feel like that's something and that apparently could... Apparently it was quite sore on the plane, you know, going up in the altitude with your brain swelling. Yeah. It's not the best feeling. Not great. He told me. I, believe, I believed him. Yeah. And listen, I feel like the new the youth now, they're all about, you know, like <laughs> sexuality Sharing is fluid. Saliva. Yeah, I feel like everybody... Which I love. I love that the kids are all about like... I remember there was there was a kid recently, a kid, I mean, like a teenager, and there was some, I can't remember how this got brought up, but there was something about like someone being homophobic and the kid just couldn't comprehend it. it. They means, were like, what yeah. are you talking about? Like, that's terrible. And I was like, I love that that's mm. where we're going and that that's like mm. the future. I think that's amazing. But mm. to all of you listening, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Just think twice. Body fluids. Think twice about your fluids. <laughs> It's real. And I think, you know, it's, oh gosh, it's amazing that I haven't had mono now that I think about it. But it's also like, it's amazing that I made it out of that car alive. You know, it's like the, the, the near. Things we've survived. Yeah. The near misses. The near misses. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I guess they just keep bringing you stronger, keep you on your journey. I, I mean, if I really think about it, I do have other grudges from, from before then, from high school and yeah. things. And, and with bad 
like maybe a bad teacher, stuff like oh. that. That stays. That doesn't go, does it? Either? That stays. Really good teachers stay with you, I think, yep. in your life. Bad teachers. And I, f- I feel like I can't even really talk about it because I think they might even be dead. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm well, so old now, too. No, not <laughs> so when true. when you're saying about the kids, I'm like, yeah, people under like 30. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm like, when did, this, when did this become like Clint Eastwood on my front porch? <laughs> when did that happen? It's like, now I'm like, oh, but people, you want to go out? Ah, oh, that sounds terrible. What an effort. We went out to the movie. My boyfriend and I went out to the movies last night, and I was like, this feels like a lot. That party we were at, that was a, that was a big deal getting ready for that. Oh, yeah. We didn't yeah. last very long oh, at that no. one. I think we were there for Home like. by midnight. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we were home by midnight like ordering postmates like what are we eating now you ordered postmates we did you didn't get the little burgers the little sliders you know what good? i don't think i saw i didn't think i get in, got any at the party i, I followed people that were giving that's that. smart <laughs> that's smart i didn't feel like there was enough people passing food <laughs> i felt like for that level of party it was like come on like let's get it going I'll tell michael patrick tell, pass that on <laughs> no i adore him and listen that was a great party yeah. um but you know what my gr- my, my grudge not really my, my hang-up was no photo booth and i love a photo booth yeah you do yeah mm-hmm. i just did one on valentine's day i did a photo booth did you yeah i think i like a photo booth too you know what i like is i like i like commemorating events and holidays i think it's important to mark a occasions mm. um like you know it's always like i'm like am i doing something for my birthday and then i'm like no you this isn't you mm. lasted another year you didn't get kidnapped you haven't yeah. developed mono you should celebrate this and also, like, if you do a photo with people are less on their phones doing selfies and everything else it's like totally it's done and throw up a, li- a ring light <laughs> you know what I mean? Everybody's like, everybody looks great. You look flawless. I mean, what more do you want? Everyone remembers it as a happier experience exactly. than it was. Exactly. You so get good. it done at the beginning of the night when things are still put together, you know, and it's great. Mm. Oh my gosh, that party though, I, for the first time, I, normally on red carpets, if people want to ask me questions, it's usually, you know, something about body positivity, which I talk about on social media a lot, oh, or do? it's about, yeah, or it's about like my coworker, America Ferreira, um, who's currently pregnant. People always want to ask oh. about how she's doing, that kind of thing. But this is the first time it was like, are you dating anybody? And I was like, oh, oh. I, I am. I never normally get asked that. And then it was like, uh, how long has it been? And I'm like, well, it's, you know, f- fairly new. And then she was like, so uh, you guys want to get married? Are you interested in marriage? And then literally my publicist was like, okay, let's move on. And I was just like, this is, I'm like, help, mom? Is <laughs> Who paid you? Who paid this woman? Oh my God. But I just never normally get that line of questioning. And then I was like, oh, this is bizarre. Yeah, yeah, people are pretty polite nowadays. Like, they yeah. know better than to like, go in there but it feels, I think it's a sign of your celebrity rising that, like, that's all in the public domain now you know what and I I thank you for saying that because I also recently I talked about this on the show there was people who were putting me on their Instagrams I was at the Critics Choice Awards I was in a gown and people were posting like hot or not on, on Instagram like vote but then they were tagging me so I was getting to see that it was like 36% of people didn't think I looked hot and I was like what? don't tag me in this oh. but then I tried to reframe it that I was like if people even care yeah, yeah, about yeah, yeah, this because yeah. I've never experienced that before I ever. That. I feel and I feel like our, the supernatural fans are so kind. They're, They're so, so kind. Forgiving. I get away with murder, really. Listen, yeah. I again, like I, I went. I, I think I told you about this at the, the the party when I saw you. But I went and took my mom and my cousin to this this convention, and we just had the best time. Mm-hmm. Like the people were so kind, and it was one of those things too where. I was kind of doing it on a lark. Like I was like, you know, we all love the show. You know, this would be a fun like girls trip. It was Canadian Thanksgiving. So I had time to go home. And, uh, but like day two, it was like, you're just in it. Like you just are like, all of a sudden you're like, you love it. Yeah, like, yeah. and it's like the energy and the positivity yeah. is so. We all drink a really good Kool-Aid, I think. Yeah, in, I think so too. Ways. Yeah. I'm really interested in what you, you, you do about the body positivity. That's really interesting to me. And I think sometimes people look at me um, as a petite 
person and think oh, you don't have an issue ever right and it's not true right. <laughs> it's like none of that's true it's it's about about the kind of um, images that we're subjected to and the, the levels that we're, we're subjected to uh, growing up I yes. was a dancer ah and I could tell you every single thing that was wrong with my body from the tip of my toe to the literally what was wrong with the crown on my head not being in the right place or right. something literally so I, I, I admire you um, so much doing that you know and it's interesting because it was never something that I really it's interesting because I don't really consider myself to be famous I, I'm on a television show I'm, I'm notable but I don't really think about it in those terms I think because I had a career for so long before I got onto an American same, show. Same. You know what it's I mean? My first American TV show. Same thing. Right. You've got a kind of a, a, a really captive fan base that you know and they know you, but then right. most people, you know, right. walk down the street and it's totally. Fine. And it's kind of like a slow burn over time. And it was it was when I I have a disorder called PCOS, polycystic ovary syndrome, and oh, I, I came know about that. yeah, <laughs> and I came out and talked about that in a rage tweet once. Um, <laughs> And I had so much positive response. There were so many women from literally around the world, thousands of messages and tweets and DMs that it really made me realize that I was like, you know, <clears throat> even if I feel like I don't have this, like, you know, what I perceive to be a Jennifer Aniston level platform, mm -hmm. obviously, um, it is important to talk about these things. And if you do have the, the, the platform and people... I, I, it really made me realize how much women specifically, I think, crave community. Mm -hmm. And we all have kind of these shared experiences that we don't even necessarily know about. You know, again, like you're talking about like the images growing up. I, I just remember like feeling like there was one kind of ideal and that was it. And if you didn't go in there, mm. I remember feeling like I was like, my arms are too freckly for me to be on TV. I really had had that thought yeah. at some point. Cause I was like, I feel like I see people on TV and their skin is like completely perfect and mm. porcelain and there's no like blemishes. And then of course you realize when you get here that yeah. first of all, not true. Yeah. Second of all, everybody's wearing self tanner guys. Third of all, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. there's so like, I thought that my hair was too thin. I was like, my hair is so oh, fine. And then I got here and I'm like, everybody has hair extensions. Like it's, it's, the perceptions of what we were we were fed and and the, the, what we've consumed for decades of, of of a lifetime, I think has done so much damage mm -hmm. pervasively mm -hmm. for women in general. What I think is interesting at the moment is um, the the thing is cool to be thick, and I love that because my my even though I'm petite, I'm not I, I don't actually have skinny bones, and right. um, I spent twenty years trying to tuck my bum under <laughs> like doing ballet. I could never quite get it flat, you know, and. And um, I love nowadays that it's good to be slightly muscular if that's yeah. what you want, or you can be chunky, you can be different. I think that's that's there's some healthy things um, happening. I think as we become more, more multicultural, I think there's certain things that bleed in that we go, oh, that's cool from over there, and that's cool, and that's cool. It doesn't have to be this white um, twiggy thing. Totally, and uh, and I think the thing too that that I really have believed for a long time. And this isn't me suggesting that it's like go out and eat eat you know McDonald's every day, but the idea that it's like what your body is if you feel healthy and you're doing the things that make you feel healthy is probably what your body is meant to be. Mm -hmm. And if you're trying to restrict and, and push yourself and get so far to create something, mm. A, it's probably not going to be sustainable forever. And B, um, life is too short. Absolutely, absolutely. And just uh, with what you were talking about at the beginning of this podcast, like, over, like I'm not one for oversharing. I'm, I'm very careful. I don't put a lot of my difficulties or my struggles out there. I've I'm very much a kind of face forward person. That's sure. One, and it's a Scottish thing about just getting your head down and getting on with it. Right. But just to say that once I started feeding my body nutrition to feel better, to feel good and have energy rather than to be thin. Right. I actually reversed my PCOS completely. No way. Without any medication or anything. Like, yeah. 
That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it took a few years. But, yeah. But yeah, just by putting stuff in, like that actually feeds you. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Makes you feel good and like not caring about what this, I actually threw the scales away. I don't have scales. I don't know how much I weigh. Um, and I'm, it, it doesn't matter. Totally. It really is a feeling. I think that mm-hmm. that's the most important thing. And you know, for me too, I've talked about this before, but I was on a meal delivery service, like, you know, paleo, whatever it was, 1200 calories a day. I was working out literally five days a week and I was gaining weight. Yeah. And the doctor was like, your metabolism is slowed. And I'm like, that doesn't make scientific sense. Mm-hmm. And then once I finally got diagnosed by a better doctor, it was finally learning that it's like, yeah, you know what? For some people, it's like, you can work that hard and it, it's, it's a, it's, or, it's bigger than you. Or you do an exercise that actually creates stress hormones, hormones, which block what yes. you're trying to do whereas if you were to do yoga and lie down every morning for an hour you would lose more weight than if you did a heavy cycle class exactly it's understanding that the chemistry there is, is subtle and it's different mm. and i think the thing also is that everybody with pcos i feel like it manifests differently like no mm-hmm. two people have the same symptoms no mm-hmm. like i think it's really kind of individualized and it's finding those things that work well mm-hmm. the thing for me I actually had a giant cyst at the end of last year pop up on my ovary, went oh. to the doctor and I was like, oh man, oh, I'm here cool. again. And I've had surgeries and all that stuff. Oh, wow. And I, I have an amazing um, Chinese doctor who does acupuncture and herbs. And within six weeks, I went back to my doctor and she's like, where did the cyst go? Like it was literally gone mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from just really being like diligent about my herbs and, and getting, mm-hmm. you know, her really kind of focusing the acupuncture. And looking um, after yourself. And looking at, it, exactly. And sleep. That's the other thing. Sleep is my mantra. Sleep is my everything. And I can be a light sleeper. I can be a nervous sleeper. Yeah, like me to too. Say, and I'm a different person with sleep and I prioritize it above everything else. And I bore people around me senseless about my talking about my body clock. And if, <laughs> <laughs> We're traveling to these conventions all the time. It sends me haywire two hours totally. this, two hours that way. And I really, I'm, yeah, it's, it's, it's and my I think focus. For some reason, for me, I've always viewed it as like weakness or something. Yes. That it's like, I should uh-huh. be able to function on less sleep. I should be able to get going. No, no. Like Tina Fey's not sleeping. And it's like, yeah. I don't know what Tina Fey's sleep schedule is. And I probably shouldn't even there's, speculate. There's a TED talk I'm going to send you about sleep. Please. Awesome, yeah. Yeah, no, and I mm. think that again, but it's one of those things where, yeah, the perception of also like, I have this opportunity, I have this job, I've got some heat, I've got work going, I got to push and push and push and push. And then I've gotten my, I've worked myself sick at times. And when you have something like a hormonal disorder, like PCOS, um, it, again, it's like, then your stress hormones go and then all of a sudden you're feeling sick and then you're getting more cysts and then you're exhausted even more and it becomes this like Mm. vicious cycle. My first year in Supernatural, I was recovering from quite a serious illness and, um, I spent the entire first season I would film and we, we film, you know, very late and I'm, Uh, I have a really early call time usually because I'm here in makeup the longest compared to the boys. Totally. So sometimes like 16, 17, 18 (sighs) hour, hour day and forced calls and I would film and I would go to the, the place we stay in Vancouver and I would rest and I would try and eat healthy food and I would go for a walk. And I really didn't ask any more of myself than just that. Yes. And then I started doing conventions. And then like by the end of um, the second year doing conventions, I was like 99 pounds, which for me is really unhealthy because I was so stressed. Yeah. And so having to, I've just had a little bit of a hiatus right now. And it's been so, it's, it, it's hard work for me to stop and not feel guilty that I'm not you know diving about everywhere but so important to take those down times and nurture yourself and just feed yourself smoothies and totally stuff that's good for you and 
Yeah, and go for a walk. Like, that's the other mm. thing. I'm like, I feel like if I'm moving, it doesn't have to be at a fast pace. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like, no. I think just going out and, and again, being in, 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 in L.A., being in mm. nature, there's so much available to us that's so close. I feel like, you know, the idea, of course, which I have communicated, that L.A. sometimes feels like a giant strip mall <laughs> is not true <laughs> if you drive a half an hour in most directions, yeah, you know. Into Griffith Park or totally. anywhere. Totally. Anywhere, no, absolutely. I, I don't, because I, I was a dancer and I... Right. I, pulled everything and tore everything and you know, forced everything and so now I, I'm too far the other way where I'm so gentle I go for like a mild walk <laughs> I'm, like, I'm done for the day Listen. Granny's, granny's done <laughs> but you have to award yourself that you did something that's what I always do is I'm like I did something yeah. I got up but I'm not I think the, the thing is that I'm actually lighter than I ever was when I was trying to be thin and, and exercising 10 hours a day sometimes as a dancer I'm actually lighter and I've, so. I've had that same thing happen for me too. I remember it was probably like four-ish years ago. I was, again, like, and I had had my diagnosis. I was being treated for PCOS, but I was still like really pushing and, and in the diet and the exercise and all that kind of thing. And now I'm literally 10 pounds lighter. And yeah. I really just give myself a break. I'm like, I'm not going to beat myself up if I eat cheese. I'm not, like, life is too short. Yeah. And, and I'm not going to beat myself up if there's a day where I watch movies and that's all I do. And I think for yeah. so long, again, there's that weird guilt. And I don't know if you, if you feel this too, having come from Scotland, yeah. but every day is sunny. And so coming from Canada, it's like, you got to get outside, <laughs> got to do something, it's sun, the sun's exactly, out. Yeah. Because in Canada, you only get so many sunny days, yeah, you know, but it's, here it's like, it's every day. It's true. And the weather in Scotland, when I go home, I love it because I spend a lot of nights just in the, the TV room watching TV with a cup of tea and a yeah. chocolate biscuit in front of the fire. I love it. And like, it feels like enough because right. the weather is conducive yeah. to that. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. It's like this weird, I don't know, I have that mentality and it's taken me a few years, you know, being able to go, it's okay if this day you're not going to get into the sun. It's okay because they'll have another opportunity this week. Absolutely. And what I'm really understanding is that sometimes those days that feel like a real waste, like I've not been industrious, sometimes I get my best ideas. Yeah. The creative ideas come those days because you need that time out for things to come through, I think. Otherwise, you're just like focused on do, 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 do. And and actually, those those more creative ideas come through different ways. I, I totally agree with that because I also get to the point where if I have 12 things to do, I do none. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. if I've put too much on my plate, then yeah. I just go, oh, I, I can't do any of this. Yeah, like, and it's when... Three it, Exactly. It's like when you've taken that rest, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I feel excited about doing this task mm -hmm. or this project or whatever, um, or more creative in something or like writing something, you know, it's like yeah. without having to force it. It's nice. I could talk to you forever, but we've got to wrap things up. This was oh. so amazing. Thank you so much for doing my Thanks show. for having me. This has been such a joy. Can you tell the listeners where you are on social media? Oh, yes. I'm... Ruthie underscore Connell, I think, on Instagram. Yeah. Something similar on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, listen, thank you so much. The Supernatural fans, uh, we had Rob Benedict on the show, and they went crazy that there was two, the two Superstore, <laughs> there's super titled Supernatural Superstore. <laughs> so I know people are going to be so excited, and I was so excited. I'm such a fan of yours, and you're so lovely. Aww, thank you thank so you. much again. Um, if you have a dumb lie, email it to me at dumblieswetell at gmail.com. We may read it, we may not, but you don't know if you don't send it. And if you're in the LA area, make sure that you check out this yeah. reading of Macbeth. Macbeth Scott Week. Yeah. Amazing. I gotta come. It's gonna be so much Fabulous. fun. <laughs> uh, hope everybody's well. Have a good day. Bye. Bye.